Welcome to Nintendo Nostalgia. I'm your host, Jacob Rush. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Black. And we are back and we are playing with power. Ryan, it's another week, three weeks in a row. Um, and boy, oh boy. I mean, have we talked about technical issues and that's week three and we had another amount of technical issues. It, it just happens, guys. Um, but Ryan and I are still pushing through and we are able to get this uh, new episode out to you. Uh, three weeks in a row, we are happy to keep the streak going, and we hope that everybody who's been listening to the show has enjoyed it being back, and please uh, spread the word that we're back and share with your friends. We would love to um, share nostalgia with um, many more people as well. So, Ryan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great, man. I am so ready uh, to get into this episode, um, I have a lot more to say about my Radical Rex scene than I do probably the main topic. That's just comparatively, because I've got a lot going on. It's exciting and cool and everything. So, but, um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you today. I know uh, your family's been kind of battling some sickness and stuff, so I'm glad you're feeling up to, to doing this podcast today and we're able to keep things keep things going. Um, I'm excited for the future of the podcast. We're actually going to be working on a work day together and, uh, you know, getting everything organized episodes, try to get those old episodes that are kind of lost to time reinstated. Um, you know, we have some things from episode one through episode 17 or something like that. We have some episodes that are kind of, they got stuck on a RSS feed that got uh, yanked from us back in the past. So <laughs> just right. overall, it's kind of like, hey guys, here's what's going on with the podcast. Not necessarily what Radical Rex is about, but... Um, how you doing, man? Um, well, like you mentioned sickness. I went home from sick work from sick. I went home from work sick yesterday. Uh, um, after, uh, about towards the middle to end of my first block of the day, I just had food and like it did not sit well with me and thought I was going to throw up. Thankfully I never did, but I've been pretty weak. I have not had much energy, very tired, a lot of headaches, Still, I'm tired. Um, didn't sleep the best last night, but I, um, I would say I'm more like 80% as opposed to yesterday. I'd say I was like maybe 20, 25%. Um, and then my daughters came home and they got sick as well. So, whatever has been going on, everyone's kind of got the same thing. Um, but, um, Lindsay, she has some issues with like sickness and puking, and she's got like a um anxiety phobia towards that so and like that stuff happens usually i take care of it it's just been very difficult um because i'm sick as well while i'm handling it so um thankfully knock on wood my son has not been sick and i'm hoping he stays that way but um my wife was i had her go to her parents house last night because i just knew it'd be a ton for her and so she's anxious about it still and she's pregnant and doesn't want to get sick herself so mm -hmm. and i understand so but um besides that i mean i've been fine i've been good um really what would i i guess maybe things i've been enjoying lately um I enjoyed the season finale for the loki season two jealous um, I, I need to I, see it yeah, I really liked Loki. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it's the best thing they put out since the first one. Um, and I mean, it might be honestly the best Marvel product we've had, in my personal opinion, since um, I don't know, Endgame. Um, oh, man, and, yes. And it's just, it's not, it's different. You know, if you mm -hmm. are somebody who do you likes 
just all the action, which I have friends who that's really, they show up there for the action. Um, you know, I would not say it's going to rank high in your list because mm-hmm. it's a lot more story plot driven deep. It really is much about connecting. I feel like all connecting everything that's been happening since, since after Endgame, And, you know, a lot of people have had issues with Marvel, like, where are they going? This doesn't make sense. Some stuff lands. Some a lot of stuff has not stuck the landing, mm-hmm. um, and um, I really feel like this is probably one of the best things they've done. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy three was fantastic, um, so I don't like want to make it sound like there hasn't been anything good. I loved that movie, but um, this has been really, really good. Um, yeah, really loved it. Um, I have not seen the Marvels. I hear lots of bad things um, from. I hear lots of good things. Okay. Every source that I follow, I mean, legitimate sites, every reviewer, usually the biggest fanboys, and a lot of them say, they all say the same thing. Villain is forgettable. Um, Kamala Khan's the best part, her and her family, and they, they bring a lot to the table. And then the rest of it is... I'm going to love it. The rest of it is pretty much meh and not very good, and it's ranked down on the lower end of their favorites, in, as in movie-wise. Yeah. Um, so, but they say everyone always has also said that the post credit scenes are absolute must see, and they're probably like the biggest bombshell after credit scenes that have ever happened. So it's probably, is- if I'm imagining, I think if I remember right, Miss um, Marvel was at one point in one of the comics was a uh, I want to say a mutant. So. It she's would never make been, sense. She's never been a mutant. Not to no, she was never a mutant. I thought she was at one point. They originally wanted to do that, but she's an inhuman. And in the okay. show, Miss Marvel, spoilers if you haven't seen it, they they lead to the fact that she has an X mutation and they're trying to turn her into a mutant. Um, they're, they're, okay. they're, they're changing her origin story to being a mutant now, um, which was different than what the original comics were. Because she was like associated with like yeah the Inhumans or whatnot, but interesting. So yeah, I I've got a hunch that the it has something to do with X Men and mutants. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that because yeah, everyone was like, that's my favorite part of Marvel is is the X Men and Wolverine especially. So okay, for some but, reason I thought that she was already a mutant at and one like I guess multiverse, but that's cool, really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So. I mean, I don't know when I'll see the movie. I, it's hard for me to want to go out and shell over my money to go see something I feel like is being ranked so low and bad reviews. At the same time, I don't like to wait. I, I like to, especially, I like to be a part of the conversation when it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to wait for it to come out on Disney Plus in January or something like that. And then I finally get to see it. Like, nah, I kind of want to, especially with that, especially with that. Post credit scenes, I like to be a part of the speculation mm-hmm. of what's what's mm-hmm. next. And and if you don't see it, you kind of have to avoid it. So I may figure yeah. out how to get out there and see it soon. But there's definitely a parallel there to video games in that, you know, like I will go out and get the latest Warrior War game, but people aren't gonna say that's like the greatest game and like groundbreaking and like right. you know, like it's not gonna have the action that you want and I like or like a story that you want. Um, but it's something that's like a comfort food. So if you know you like like the family friendly, the fun, like, like the character building, the story and things like that, like it's probably going to be great. Like, you know, you heard bad things about Love and Thunder and, and you heard yeah. bad things about, you know, past like 
Ant-Man, Quantumanium, there's always this negative stuff coming out about these latest releases and stuff. I've not personally seen them, but, like, I've found, like, anybody who doesn't like certain things, like certain episodes, like they say it did awful, I watch them and I really, really enjoy them. So I, I don't know what that is. I feel like there's some loud negativity on those things, but I, d- I wouldn't let that limit your your chance at enjoying those things if it's something that sounds like it interests you. Just the same thing as video games. Like, an indie game sounds fun and everyone else says it's terrible. Like, you know, give some thought, make an educated choice. But if you really want to play that game, like, play it. And, you know, you might be surprised that that's enough to carry you through all the bad stuff because you really enjoyed the gameplay or some other things about it and experiences that meet you at a certain point in your life. You never know what the experience is going to be. So don't be afraid to try something just because critics are like, oh, it's awful, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I'll be one of the last people to listen to the critics, um, yeah. movie critics. I don't, I don't account their, their uh, opinion worth anything, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, people who cover it and who are like nerds like us, a lot, I mean, a lot of times I, I've had an issue where like, I feel like there are like fanboyish things. I mean, people listen to it. It's like, where like Marvel could do no wrong and everything they put out is just gold. And like, I, I, I can be a bit more, um, I guess, um, I don't know, hesitant to listen mm-hmm. to people like that. Uh, mm-hmm. and their and their their bias. Um, but even the ones that I would say have been biased lately, have are admitting that the stuff is not that great. Um, but I definitely know what you're saying. I, I, I understand um and uh, to be honest i kind of get it's when i even even something that's like a nintendo direct i'll get really annoyed i don't want to know um like we had a i had a friend uh text me before i even saw it he he had forgotten i hadn't watched yet because i usually don't get to them to like the the evenings the day they drop Mm -hmm. and um he's like oh well it was pretty mediocre you won't be too excited and it, it made me so mad because it was I'm Kyle, like, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Kyle. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, does that all the time <laughs> for me? Does he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I got annoyed and because like, even if it sucks, like I want to have the your one, own feelings without any kind of anything influenced that. Yeah. I want to feel the it conclusion. organically. Yeah. If it, if it sucks, then okay. I'll come to that conclusion on my own. If it's, but if like maybe it, and when I after I watched it, honestly, it wasn't as bad as what I was thinking going into it from what mm-hmm. I had heard. You know that 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 comment and opinion made me think like, okay, there's really not going to be anything good. It, it totally just deflates the hype, the excitement, you know. And and like I think part of the about like Nintendo Directs, the excitement about that is is the unknown. It's the yeah. it's the what if expectation like man maybe we do get a donkey kong country mm-hmm. or a diddy kong racing 2 or maybe banjo 2 he comes to the switch online or diddy kong racing you know i don't know but like that mystery is what fuels me and uh, i don't want yeah. anyone to spoil that for me could I be mean, even if it is even if it had everything i loved i don't want people to tell me because like i want to experience that myself yeah and that, that I, goes I get that music and movies too I mean, look at the opposite side of things. Like someone says, oh, you're really going to love this. And then you watch it and you're just like, oh, I was really hyped and like really excited because people say I'm actually going to love this. And I watch them like, that was kind of disappointing. Like, I don't know. I do yes. that all the time for you. I'm like, oh, Jacob's going to love this. And then you see you're like, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It, it does work both ways. 
absolutely does. People. It influences how you think and how you go about something. And it, it's great to go in with a pure mind and just be like, I'm just going to watch this. And, you know, you, you're living in a vacuum and you just find out what you truly enjoy without anyone else influencing. Like that was me as a kid, like when without social media, like I go and watch some movie and I absolutely loved it. Like the dark crystal or little Nemo and no one ever heard of those things or even had yeah. any opinion, but like, I absolutely right. loved them. And I'm like, Hey, these things I really enjoy. They're a big part of my nostalgia and nothing really tainted that. And and I did take some chances where people said things were horrible games and I enjoyed what I got out of them because I knew there's things that I liked about them, even if they knew I recognized they were terrible games too. So like I do value friends' opinions and I don't think we should solicit those opinions exclusively without them having to say something like I don't want to shut my friends up, but also like, you know, just be mindful. Like when you say something's terrible or trash, like it also comes to your reputation too. If you're constantly saying things are trash or the greatest of all time. Um, then it doesn't give you so much of a credibility, I guess, unless if people don't understand, that's just what what you do is you over embellish things, what you say, but you know, it takes away some of your credibility when you do that sort of thing. I, I agree. I do. I totally agree. And like we said to each their own, like I've, I thought the ending of Loki two was honestly one of the best. And then I have a friend Mm -hmm. who I was texting about and he thought it was very disappointing. He was completely Mm -hmm. let down, you know, and, um, yeah, you know, just because somebody's trash, somebody's trash can be your treasure. So, and that's not- the mystery there too. Like someone said, I was really going to love super Mario galaxy or not galaxy, super Mario odyssey. And I played it and I didn't enjoy it. And I was at a bad time in my life to try to force myself to play it, you know, was, but that was like, that kind of influenced kind of me not liking the game. Now I tease about hating the game now, but like I went back and played it and I enjoyed what I did that time. So like. I don't truly hate it, even though I tease about it. I, I take every chance I can. But sure, I mean, I don't hate that game at all. I mean, we've had go back and listen to them. We talked about that game in real time many times. But um, when I look back on it, what I would definitely do for Mario is I would reduce. I don't like what I'm finding about myself, and this has happened as games have gotten bigger for Nintendo. I don't like video games where I have a thousand things to collect like I, because it's it's really bad for me because like I am I, I like to be a completionist like when it's Donkey Kong, um, whatever, I try to get every Kong and every little puzzle piece you can get. I And I typically yeah. will repeat levels over and over again until yeah. I have it all and then I like to move on. Mm-hmm. And when I get a game like Mario Odyssey, the moon pieces, I just feel like there was this there was way too many and there was way a lot of, I, I want them to have some meaning. I want quality. There's a lot of inflation. Yeah, Korok seeds, you know, like, do you need to collect all the Korok seeds? Like, yes, it's, it's there for the people who want to do completionist stuff. And those who used to do completionist stuff back in the day, um, yes, didn't did. have as much to do. Like people complained so much about, you know, fetch quests and collectibles and rare games um, and those who wanted to 100% them went the extra mile like Donkey Kong 64 to get everything. Yeah, yeah. And they may not want to do it again, but so there is that padding has always existed, but now it's like, you know, is it worth going for all those things? Does it, and are they going to lock certain story beads behind that collection? Right. You know, secret That's- levels you can only get to if you have everything, but that one thing. And, and because things are getting more grandiose and, and longer, like, do you have the time to do that anymore to complete a game and, and wearing the badge of honor that you 100% at a game is kind of uh, becoming less, I guess, 
important. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like achievements and platinum, platinum in games. Um, if it's just a bunch of busy work and there's no real meaning behind it, what's the point? And Nintendo has introduced yeah. that without doing achievements by adding these completionist things that you can do, collect, collect all, you know, 900 Korok seeds and what have you. Like those things are things that Nintendo has dipped into without doing achievements and they're, they're trying to do it their own way. And that's not something that we value, but other people might value that. Um, it would be one thing if like every Korok you talked to had something different to say and like expanded the world just a little bit more. But they just say, you found me. Cool. And you yeah. solve the little puzzle like, okay, busy work, you know. Yeah, it's it, absolutely. I don't like the busy work. I love collect-a-thons. I do. Like Banjo Kazooie is my favorite game. I loved ukulele. Mm-hmm. Um, it just needs to be um, well thought out. And I don't yeah. think you need to have, like you said, an inflation of things to collect. I'm definitely down for collecting more than 10 stars or 10 jiggy pieces in a level and 100 yeah, music and notes. And I'm 100% down like with not hitting a boss three times to defeat them. Like give us yes. some more complexity to the boss fights and stuff like yes. that stuff has become a long way as well. You know, it has, it has, it's like, there's different areas you can expand without adding padding to make it a different experience and a better experience. Right. For sure. Um, well, dude, did you say what you've been radical rexing about? I did not. I don't even <laughs> remember saying what we're radical rexing about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started off with Loki and then somehow it ended up. Yeah. yeah. So. Let's get into it. Let's get into what we are Radical Rexing about. Okay, so uh, this episode might just turn into a Radical Rexing episode at this point. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll kind of go over some of the stuff that I'm Radical Rexing about. Did you say everything you wanted about your Radical Rexing or do you have some more things to add? Yeah, that that was my whole segment there. Yeah, so it's cool. your turn now. Yeah, um, so I just got the... Uh, Zelda and Ganondorf Amiibo for Tears of the Kingdom. I wasn't originally going to get them, like, right at launch. I was going to try to find them. And then GameStop had this deal, or if you, like, bought them online and picked them up in store, you got $5 off. And then I also had a $5 off for my membership. So I'm just like, that's $10 off for these Amiibo. Like, I'm spending, like, 30 bucks for two Amiibo. Like, let's do it. And so I ended up getting those two Amiibo. It's pretty cool. Um, and I've got Pearl and Marina and not Pearl and Marina. Wow. Um, I've got Shiver, Fry, and Big Man Amiibo coming up here soon. You know, those pre-orders are coming in. And then I'll eventually try to grab Sora when he goes on so I can get the full Smash Brothers collection. But I'm excited that my Amiibo collection is staying up to date because Zelda and Ganondorf are, you know, keeping my my complete collection of Zelda going on with, with Amiibo. Um, so I'm glad that Nintendo's still doing Amiibo. Definitely Radical Rexing about those. Uh, even though they don't really function, now it's just a matter of the collection, and I love having them and looking at them, and just, you know, I love that that part of the collecting. Um, I also, uh, in the mail, I've been, I've been a little more active in the nostalgia chat, just sharing some things that I've gotten. Um, a game that I I loved on 360, it was only digital. Just like, um, just like uh, Scott Pilgrim was only digital. Like, I never thought you'd get a physical version. Um, this game I just got from uh, the Behemoth... Um, so it's Castle Crashers, um, but they have a physical version that came out on Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like you had to quickly pre-order it, um, and you know I finally got that, so I own it physically. And I, I dreamed of owning that physically. It's one of those one games like I thought I'd never be able to do because that, I was really upset that they were just digital only things. And and like so, I like things like Limited Run do exist for those games that I really value and treasure. Like there's a few, there's a short list now of games that I want to see come to the Switch and like series I want to see come to the Switch and get physical on it, but list is very very small in compared comparison now um because of all the games that have come out in the past so definitely radical rexing about 
the legacy that the Switch has, the, the library of games that it has. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I haven't been playing like games a whole lot because we've been basically the past few weeks doing medical appointments and prepping for this birthday party that we, or not birthday party, this Halloween party that we had last night. And let me tell you, it was epic. So Draco, despite all of the major medical issues that we've had and, and spinal surgeries and things like that, or spinal procedures um, and doctor's appointments and stuff, he was able to pull off this amazing uh, Splatoween-themed party. Um, I posted pictures in an attended nostalgia chat um, in, on Facebook, and um, but a lot of people were commenting on it saying like they saw – like the production quality, like it was something you go to a Nintendo event and see. And uh, I agree. Like the stuff that Draco put into that was just freaking amazing. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it took a lot of time. I, I'm running on very little sleep and I'm very, very sore and, and everything. My back is killing me. Um, but it was worth every bit. You know, we, we only had basically three weeks to get everything together. We had been purchasing things for the party, but actually building the props and um, getting everything done. We did that and basically four days um and the food prep and stuff was done the day of um we ran a little bit past our deadline it was supposed to start at six and uh we were able to finish things up by like 7 30 or 8 with all the cooking and stuff but the decorations and everything were all in place and uh it was really really fun production to create um like the um crab and go station that you have in splatoon 3 is is built in our living or in our dining room right now um yeah you know, and uh, we had full playable uh, table turf battle, like physical game. You can actually like, you know, it has everything works the same. Um, IRL, um, we're going to print more cards and iterate on that. But we'll be able to play that at home anytime, you know, uh, play t- table turf, um, which is pretty cool to convert a, a digital game card game into a physical world. Um, but yeah, I, we might share some tips on how to build that and what to do, um, once we've perfected it and refined all of it, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and just, it was really fun building some of the props. So Draco ordered, um, refillable water balloons. So they're, they're like, uh, magnetically sealed, um, I guess silicone membrane, uh, balls basically, um, pumped them full of paint, um, like Splatoon colored paint. And we just threw them at like this big cardboard floor that we built out custom to our floor around our furniture. Mm. We took it out back and we just threw them through paint everywhere. Got, got a mess all over us. You know, we got paint all over us and, and just had fun splatting it. And then we let it dry overnight and brought it inside and set it up as the floor prop um, for the party. And it was just, it was so much fun. And we have lockers um, that we painted and put stickers all over them, just like in Splatoon 3. Right. And we customized our own lockers with our favorite stickers. And it was just such a fun time to do and, and do that all together. But we created a really cool environment. And it's not about, like, you can dress up in costume and, and be a part of the theme. But the big thing is is living in those environments that we create and uh, enjoying that with friends. And that's the biggest thing. Like, we had, oh, what was it? We had maybe 10 people confirmed coming to the party. And within the last two days before the party, um, basically everybody dropped out except for one person and then our housemates um, and their, um, you know, their significant others came to the party too. So it was cool to have those people. We, we had a low turnout. Um, people got sick. Yesterday was a, a weird weather day, which caused a lot of allergy flare-ups and pain flare-ups for those medically 
frail people that we have. We had like, we had seven people, I think, mm-hmm. confirmed for coming from Draco's EDS support group. And all of them had various reasons they had to sick, whether it was deaths or, or sickness or high pain days or whatever. You know, they had to drop out. Like, they were definitely going to be coming. And then, you know, we had such a low turnout. But at the end of the day, like, we weren't disappointed by all the cancellations as much as we were so excited to be able to pull off such a cool environment and share that with the little people, the, the few people that could come. Mm-hmm. And the food that we made was amazing, like, accurate to the the games plus yeah. we also did a few other things like we made things from scratch basically and they're all like allergen friendly and safe and things too uh, like we, we found a way to kind of make mock shrimp because we all have shrimp allergies around here um and we found ways to work around those things and uh just make it a really fun party and it wasn't anything that distracted from the theme it all was in theme still and uh i wish i could describe to every our listeners exactly how much detail and care and and thought goes into everything that we do for these parties and how big of a a production value it is like we'll spend tons of money but that is draco's major major hobby um like he he likes collecting like little line things line bags and things like that but like the big thing is just doing these big parties twice a year and having friends over and enjoying them and just living in those environments days after even though even after the party like just being in a splatoon world and be able to just sit down and play you know the table turf battle or whatever, or, you know, in the past we had monster high parties and Harry Potter parties and, and our next party for uh, Draco's birthday is going to be all tears of the kingdom themed. So we're going to have some Zelda stuff coming soon. I'm really excited to get in that. I'm even thinking about like nice. what props we can build for that. It's going to be really cool. Uh, maybe try to come up with a mini, uh, mini tower, mm. um, <laughs> building something like that. And, uh, and just, I don't know how we would do probably we'd, turn one of like our parlor into like the underground um and the depths and try to do something with that and figure out how we'll do the purple like um you know gloom and everything and uh it's gonna be really fun to figure all that out and 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 do a zelda theme with the food and 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 what have you yeah um but yeah it's it's such such a fun thing like as soon as we finish the party we're already talking about the next party and what we're doing what we're what we're planning and we we set aside a budget for this because that is something that that Draco absolutely needs and I support that wholeheartedly mm. and I'll admit I had a lot of trouble mentally leading up to the party like ADHD and being able to focus on it and I have like so many other big things going on in my life like I I just it was hard for me to focus on that and be serious about it and mm. even give any kind of thought to it so I had to sit back and really dig in the past few days. That's part of the reason why we're so far behind. Not just Draco's medical stuff, but my mental health also. And uh, I wish I could have been in a better place. And I did apologize for all that, you know, because it, we could have been in a better place. We had to leave a lot of things on the cutting room floor. But we still had something amazing at the end. And that's all all him, you know. Like, I, yeah. I put in the time, but it was worth every bit of it. I was looking, I mean, while you were talking, I was looking through all the photos. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, it looks awesome. Great. Uh, looks, you know. I like the real, the realness of it. You know, yeah. it doesn't look like it was just some like something you bought at a cheap party store. I mean, it yeah. looks legit like a Splatoon world. I, I, are those lockers real lockers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've um, that's awesome. We had a past housemate that that brought them with them when they moved out of wherever they were from, and they've just been sitting in our garage. And the past two parties, we just brought it in the house. We painted it, brought it into the house, and and did it for nice. that theme. Then we painted over it and did the Splatoon theme this time with the stickers. That's cool. So. I like that. You know, it looks great. It looks fun. And I know you guys really do love to have those Halloween parties, which is yeah, 
um that's your thing you know you love halloween and it's and, and it's awesome i'm glad that you have something that you love to do so much yeah and you're, it you're was able to share blast. that with others so that's cool yeah it was very fortuitous that we got more content like we got all the art books and stuff for splatoon like splatoon one splatoon three splatoon two splatoon ex- two expansion like we got all the art books and took all the inspiration from all those art books and pulled photos and things to make these props. And uh, it was really cool to be able to do that. It's exciting that we're going to get to do that for Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom, you know, and uh, pull in those inspirations. We'll probably pull in some Breath of the Wild stuff just because they're influenced, you know, and they're based off each other. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the next big thing. And it's it's just really fun to be able to have. I like that the themes are now video game themed and like things that I really love, like yeah. Nintendo and stuff, because now like oh, we're getting art books and we can do this because it's for party reasons? Cool, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, we we didn't stuff. end up having the money, but we were thinking about getting the Splatoon soundtrack albums, like, that are online. Mm. Um, but we just ended up, didn't have, you know, getting around to that with all the other stuff we had. It was one of the things that ended up on the cutting room floor. But, yeah, uh, yeah just, we, we love those productions. It's really fun. For sure. Cool. Anything else or? Um, good question. Uh, gosh. Uh, I haven't had time to play Super Mario Wonder. Uh, I haven't had time to play um, anything else, really. Uh, barely even Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with the parties and stuff, like, it's been a really busy week. But busy I think that's season. everything. I get yep. it. I get it. For sure. Well, um, well, thanks for sharing all that stuff, Ryan. Uh, we won't waste our listeners' time anymore. We're going to get into the topic. Um, uh, since, you know, speaking of, you know, I guess you could... Something we're looking forward to, something that is on the horizon, is um, Super Mario RPG, the remake. And Brian and I felt like it was appropriate. We've never talked about it before. It's time for us to reach back to the past, to the 90s, and talk about um, this game before it gets remade. So today is going to be all about Super Mario RPG. Well, Ryan, Super Mario RPG uh, was a classic game that came to the Super Nintendo in what I think it was about back in like, oh, we said late 90s. It was released in 1996, originally in Japan on March 9th, 1996, and then on May 13th in North America, 1996. Um, you know, I guess maybe starting off with this game, this was a definitely a different approach for Nintendo. Um, oh yeah, for Mario. It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, definitely different, and definitely Nintendo really gave some artistic freedom and some liberties to to Square Enix, Square at the time, SquareSoft to do this thing and make it a Final Fantasy game, but Mario. Like right. It was the first time that Nintendo let someone handle a game like that to this quality. I, I can't tell you if like the CDI or that the stuff where it was mishandled was ever good. Like Mario's missing, or I don't know if those were even considered. No, like, this was um by Nintendo it was, standards. But. It was a big deal because, like what you said, like Nintendo 
I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like this is one of the first times Nintendo was like really trusting another company with their IP like this. Um, most of the time, Nintendo's handheld like they're it's in house. They do all the Mario stuff, and and Square, just like they are today, was is oh has always been a massive staple, especially in the J- Japanese market for their RPG games. Mm-hmm. And at the, this point, I would say this is probably the last hurrah they have. Um, before we had an era where uh, Square pretty much had nothing to do with Nintendo, mm-hmm. that you know, remember they had their they had their falling out. I'd say right at the N sixty four, the birth of the N sixty four. They wanted to do disc format because they could do so much more with that, and that and they didn't want to do cartridge. And so, like, they're like, well, we can't really work with this cartridge media. Um, so yeah, yeah. and the previous president at that time, um. It's kind of a stubborn guy. So, oh, he pretty much said, see you later. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we, yeah, for a good while there, we had no Final Fantasy, nothing square um, until, you know, fast forward to today. Now it's like they're best friends again. And that's all water under, under the bridge, thankfully. Hence mm-hmm. why we're getting this remake, actually. But um, yeah, this was a big deal. This was a big deal for uh, partnering with such another strong company and trusting them with the Mario brand and image. Um, they're bringing 3D aspects to a a system that's mostly known for its 2D graphics. Mm-hmm. This was the Super Nintendo guys. This is like the tail. I'd say what the middle what 93 64 didn't come out to like 96. So, um, uh, oh yeah, this is this is not 93. This is 1996. This is yeah, the tail it was end. Nintendo is notorious for releasing a really big RPG at the end of the life of, you know, it's really notorious for, you know, introducing a big game um, or big story, a big experience at the end of a console's life. Um, yeah. It's just been a thing. Like the end of 64 era, we got like Paper Mario towards the end yes. there. Exactly and and so like, say. you know, I want to say that, was it Xenoblade Chronicles that did that for Wii thing? Like there's there's some other games like where they just at the end of the era, like they release this really cool game on the old system. And it's kind of the it's kind of the hey, you know, we put all of our resources and dev into making this game for the system. And yeah, there's a new system out, but we're still going to release this on that system so that, mm. you know, and it's like it may not get recognized as a great game because everybody's already joined jumping on the new thing. It's like, why would I buy this old game for this old system? You know, and, right. and I think Nintendo's gotten a little better with that management over the years. Um, and realizing that people do get the newest and latest, um, and even then they took it to the to like dual releasing on a couple of systems with Zelda games, you know. Yeah, well, yeah on both systems. So definitely dual releasing. They did they've gotten better about that. Wild. But, but the reason that Super Mario RPG was cult classic, I would say, is you know it's RPG, but but also like it came out at a time when N sixty four was a hot thing. You know, so in in sixty four was yeah. This was thought, and it was full three D gaming, right? This yeah. is kind of a mixture of like two D, yeah, with three D elements. What we had already mm-hmm. been kind of getting with Donkey Kong countries and yeah, and Mario World to Yoshi's Islands. Um, but this game, uh, you know, let's dissect it a little bit. Uh, well, first off, what are your what are your original memories with this game, Ryan? Yeah. Um. So my. Grandpa took me to the local buy, shell and tra- buy sell and trade store. Um, 
and uh, told me I could pick out a game. And I saw there was this Mario game called Super Mario RPG, and I was really excited to get it. I got it. Um, I took it home, or took it to, took it to his house, popped it in, started playing it. Um, and I don't think I was at the point where I was um, I was reading, or at least not reading much. Yeah, which would make it hard hard to play. And I fought. I went up to the castle and fought the sword there because you could just do that right from the beginning. Or like you could try that. And I'd get so frustrated because I couldn't beat him. Like I didn't understand RPG elements or anything. This is my first RPG, hands down. Like, so I didn't understand how that all worked and that I had to go another place and do other things when it, it literally presented me with something I could go and do and I couldn't do that thing. And I got really frustrated so, like, within a couple of hours, I'm like, Grandpa, I don't like this game. And I asked him to take me back to the store and, and see if we could trade it. And, and the buy, sell, and trade place was being a butt, so they wouldn't let us return it. So, basically, we had to trade it in, and he spent more money out of pocket to get me a different game. And I can't tell you what that game was, but, you know, it was just like, I had it, you know, for a very short time, and I was not ready for it as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny, I mean, that with what you say, because, I, I mean, that definitely correlates with my only nostalgia for this game from my childhood the only nostalgia i ever had for this game was um after church one day i went with you to your to grandpa ben's house and you put this game in for me and i Mm -hmm. this was my i'd never even heard of it and we put it in and i just knew it was mario so you were there cool (laughs) i was i mean i don't know i was not there during this purchasing time but i definitely was there for this small time from that you had the game and i yeah. remember like not knowing what to do it was you know it wasn't a platformer you know it wasn't uh from point a to point b you're walking i remember walking through like the wilderness and it just felt weird i didn't understand the battle i never played an rpg at this point yeah yeah that was kind of our first experience in foray into like an rpg and concept i think i i'm five years old as so, I, I was so i was eight then so i definitely was reading um, I just didn't understand the mechanics, I think, was the problem. And I didn't understand what they wanted me to do. Yeah, I was Jack's age, my son. He, well, Jack's four. He's going to be five in a couple of weeks. So um, right around the same age. Eight or nine. Is. Yeah. Yeah, I was not able at all to read. <laughs> so, but um, uh, but I remember being confused because there's this new bad guy and it's not bowser and like who is this guy he kicks bowser out of the castle it felt very foreign and weird to me um actually i think my memories of those reactions and that shock what came from you i think i kind of internalized them forgetting that you were there with me at the time so that's really cool to like fill in some of the blanks of my memory that i had just like forgotten about yeah yeah because i remember i remember someone commenting about how like like someone stronger than Bowser and because like the game starts out with you, you know, facing off against it's like the end of a Mario game. Right. Where you're facing Bowser, you know, it's it's weird that it starts with the, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, of one adventure. But and then the sword comes crashing down, which I don't even know if we really I don't really know the origins to him. But I mean, I got a little bit of the plot here pulled up. Um, for the record, I have since then, um, thanks to good goal, good Excellent. our good buddy. <laughs> Kyle Martin, he challenged me to um, play the game back. I'd say back, it was right before the Switch had come out. We didn't, mm-hmm. it was this era where like there was really nothing to play. So we mm-hmm. were 
just challenging me to go back and like play backlog stuff because I had the game. So I did end up beating it on like the Wii Virtual Console through my Wii U mm-hmm. while while waiting for the Switch to come out. So I have beaten the whole thing. It's been a good handful of years now. So I am looking forward to getting the remake and and same again. I think it'll be fun. Um, and just to see it updated. Um, yeah. But let's see. Just one day, Mario sets out once again to rescue Princess Toadstool from Bowser at his castle, like we talked about during their battle. A giant living sword named Exor falls um, from the sky, breaks through the Star Road, a pathway that helps grant people's wishes, and crashes into Bowser's castle, sending Mario, Princess Toadstool, and Bowser flying in different directions, as well as scattering the seven star fragments. Um, Mario lands back at his pad and meets up with Toad, who tells him uh, he asked to rescue Toadstool. Mario returns to Bowser's castle, but Exor destroys the bridge, preventing him from entering. Which I remember doing that. I remember like, like, why can't I go over there? You know, he's you just can look off into the distance, and then you just have to go a different way. Um, Mario makes his way from the Mushroom Kingdom, where Mario encounters a tadpole named Mallow. Um, and then, so yeah, this game introduced some new characters like Mallow and, um, the infamous Gino gets introduced into this game later on as well too. And then Bowser's actually on your side. Um, and, um, you get to, uh, use him in your party, which was again, cool at this time outside of the first Mario Kart, there was no, there was no playing as Bowser, you know, especially in an adventure game. So having Bowser on your team, I think this is might be one of the first games to really give him a personality uh-huh. um, because of the dialogue. This game was really known for its humor. Uh, a lot of people comment about how funny it actually <laughs> is when you mm-hmm. when you can read through the dialogue. And I'll be happy, be excited to go back through it um, probably around Christmas time for me when I get that's probably when I'll get it um, and and just re enjoy this funny adventure. Um, but I mean, the reception for the game was, I mean, it was pretty, it was well-received. It got reviewed very well, like nine out of tens, A's, 89% rankings, um, 9.5 out of 10 by IGN back then, Nintendo Live, 10 out of 10. Like it's a good game. Um, it's left a legacy of what RPGs can do for Nintendo. Um, I mean, because like we talked about after the falling out of square and um, Nintendo, we get the, we get the, I guess the rebirth. Technically it should have been the sequel to Mario RPG, which was birthed into something entirely new and unique. Uh, which is when Nintendo really started like go down that road of uniqueness and they created paper Mario. Which is same elements, but your everything was made out of paper, and it was a really cool concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a paper 3D world, um, and you and you know you have the whole legacy, which then went down to you know, Mario Thousand Year Door, which we're getting a remake of, and um, then we went to the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga games. Um, so they always kind of birthed their own directions. It all came from this starting point. Um, we can highlight the music. The music in this game, huge. Um, a lot of people love it. Very unique. Um, do you recall any of the music back to yourself that maybe like, oh, really sticks out to you? Or um, I remember that home castle or like that hometown theme song was um, really catchy and fun to listen to and repeat. But 
Um, I mean, this is like full on Final Fantasy composers composing Mario music into their own, yeah. putting their own spin on it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I played this game with the volume off, but I don't remember music in this game. <laughs> like, and I don't remember listening to the soundtrack to this game either. So, like, it's again, I'm gonna be going to this with a fresh experience playing this this remastered version. Um, and I hear that in the remastered version, you can switch between like new soundtrack, but then like the classic soundtrack as well, like on the fly, which is really cool. Like, I think I'm going to enjoy that to experience both of those. Um, yeah. Um, again, like this game is, I know I've played through it a couple times, but for whatever reason, like things didn't stick in my brain. I don't know if I was just like trying to get through it really quickly because it was something on the list of things I needed to do or, and I didn't really like commit it to memory or, but a lot of stuff didn't stick in my memory. So it could be that it, it it's something that I did notice back then. I just, it never does continue with me. I think the only thing that really stuck out to me is I remember there was these power ranger guys and that, that, that was kind of cool. But there was like, yeah. You know, um, but, uh, you know, so I played through the game a couple of times and I've only done the secret boss once. Um, I don't think I ever did the secret boss. I didn't care that much, but and, and I'm pretty sure I did that on the riding. Wii U, or maybe it was Wii, just to make sure that I said I had done it before. So it's um the the soundtrack was composed by Yoko Shimomura. Yeah, um, taking original Legend. music. Yes, but she she credits this game to being the turning point for her career. Yeah, this was like what put her on the map her taking arrangements from Koji Kondo um, and from Final Fantasy and then mixing them together. Yeah. Um, really just kind of catapulted her. She said that, I guess this was actually released on two discs back in the day and then in 1995. Man, um, I can't imagine having that, like, being able to get that. One of the one of the few times, Nintendo doesn't do that a lot, but they yeah. do it here and there for, for some reason. But... Um, in this game, um, I guess it came with a Nintendo SA1 chip. So, like, it was a different, it, it was a more powerful chip than what all the previous SNES games were able to use yeah. for their games. So, it had better processing power. It had higher clock speeds, faster access to random access memory. Um, it just allowed for so much more compression and data to be stored in. Um mm-hmm. To make a, a lot bigger of a game, which I think was needed. This was not just a yeah. platformer. This is a grand story. The RPGs, if you've played RPGs, they're not, you know, they're not, most of the time, they're not this little eight-hour adventure. They are a deep, long-process adventure that takes you through highs and lows of all yeah. kinds. And I think that was appropriate to put um, um, a more powerful musical chip in here to be able to do even more with it. Because there was so much more to do. And it, it was a major turning point. Um, like So this was the fusion of top graphics Nintendo with top graphics Square Enix. And this was the diverging point. So like we got this product, Super Mario RPG. And at its time, like this is right at the point where, you know, you could see that Square was putting in all of their effort to put up this great graphic thing this high performance thing and making the best they could and um, as nintendo got older it it decided to go a different direction and not go with the most powerful most expensive the newest thing with graphics and things 
or, or equipment. And Square Enix was like, well, we want to keep growing our, you know, our cutscenes and, and what we can do out of a game and make it like put it on multiple discs and things. And they just they could not do that with cartridges effectively or, you know, cost effectively. Anything like release a game with two cartridges. How does that work? You know, no, it's, it's discs is where they wanted to go because it was so much easier to store data that they needed for these huge games that they were making. And so it is it is a treasure to be able to have this collaboration with Nintendo and Square Enix together, putting this product out that was kind of the, um, I guess, the ultimate example of what the, the the console could do at the time at the and the best with the best, you know, with the best games, uh, graphics, you know, everything. It's... It is such a black sheep of a game for what it was. It, yes, Super Nintendo era was all about RPGs, but um, this was something that was Nintendo's name on it. It was the greatest example of a video game at that time. Um, you know, this is before PlayStation became big and Square Enix joined over there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's the oh, there's also the miss with the whole Sony place or the Nintendo PlayStation and, and what have oh, you yeah. with that. So, like, a lot of those things were, it was like, they made some business decisions back then um, that shaped them into the Nintendo we know today, um, yeah. for better or for worse. Um, but this was something that was just before all these things started happening, and it was magic. It was magic. And, I mean, it sold 1.47 million copies in Japan that year in 90, 1996, making it the third highest-selling game in all of Japan. Uh, which is saying something because the 64 would have been released that year mm-hmm. um, still. And then its it sales in the United States surpassed Nintendo's expectations. Um, it was in America because at the time, this stuff didn't sell very well in America at all. Mm-hmm. Um, sold, it shipped over 300,000 copies to retailers. Nintendo estimated a sell-through of more than 200,000 units within one month on shelves. And it was like for 14 weeks straight, the number one. Uh, most rented game in yeah. the United States and became yeah. the sixth best-selling game in 1996 in the U.S. Um, but yeah, it was the last release that Square would ever do for Nintendo, at least the Super Nintendo um, and Nintendo in general, for quite some time. And, and um, the, what we did get eventually, well, I want to say there was probably some handheld or something in between there, but like the next console was Crystal Chronicles, so... Yeah, yeah. At least big stuff. You're right. I mean, I'm sure there might have been a, 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 you'll see a lot of companies be able to do even a little bit of handheld things. I mean, heck, even after tactics Microsoft, advanced and things. Yeah. But. After Microsoft bought Rare, Rare still released actually a, a handful of um, Game Boy games for Nintendo um, mm-hmm. being under the Microsoft umbrella way back when. But um, yeah, but the big dog consoles was was just a no go for this type of stuff. Yeah. Um but I mean, you know, overall, like the game is fun. It's got a great, uh, great characteristics. I, th- I, I, it's a game that I mean it has Samus in the game. I mean, Ryan, you should know this. It's got your girl in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I hope she's in the remake. I don't know if that's been leaked or not. I hope that like they didn't take her out and that she's still there. That'd be cool. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing replaying it. Again, it's been a few years since I've revisited this game. I mean, no, it's been more than a few years. That would have been back in like 2017. Goodness gracious. This is a long time ago, 2016. <laughs> um, you know, that's almost like eight years ago at this point. Oh, gosh. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, that I in my brain when we planned this episode, I felt like it was closer in my brain. That doesn't seem so real. That's time mm-hmm. is just it goes by so fast the older we get. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but it's a fun game. I'm definitely looking for I'm looking forward to diving back into it and, and replaying it and um fighting uh Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong's in the game. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not really in the game, but it, I mean, it's a model that is exactly him with a... I don't remember fighting him, but I remember he had, like, the the chains or spikes or whatever it was. Yeah, there, he's got shackles around his arms or his wrists and his neck, I think. And it's it's I think the character is just called a Kong, but it has nothing to do with Donkey Kong. But it, yeah. they literally, they just took, like, the Donkey Kong sprite from Donkey Kong Country... And yeah. put change around him, and that's like he's a villain of the game, a regular villain. I don't, I don't recall much about that. Um, it's weird going back and looking at old images and seeing the weird sprite work that they did, where it was like that tilted angle, um, and seeing the characters. So, like looking at past bosses and things like that, and playing it, it, it was just a very different look from what I was used to. Um, again, I never really got into 2D RPGs, really. Um, yeah. And I'm only recently starting to pick up on that and get into those um, and kind of revisiting those ones. And this is a good time to go back to Mario RPG and with the new one coming out. I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly when um, this became a thing for me, but perhaps maybe Mario RPG was the reason that I didn't want to do 2d rpgs and i figured i'd give them a chance later once you know once it was 3d with final mm-hmm, fantasy 8 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um which you know final fantasy 8 actually brought in an element to rpgs that was introduced here in super mario rpg which was the time button press mechanics yes um, this is great um you know that was really cool to see um and that's something that like even now going forward it's such a staple that like any rpg i play like as soon as the attack hits, like I will hit a button to do that. Uh-huh. Um, I think the only one that I don't do that to is well, maybe I started picking it up there too. But like Pokemon is probably the only one that I don't do that with because mm. I think the attack animations aren't always clear when they hit or they hit multiple times and stuff. Right, so, right. But um, you know, I got that. I, I did that more with the Pokeball catching than I did the actual attacks. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the, the time button presses was like it's just ingrained in RPG players you know, minds. And that's kind of what we saw in Super Mario RPG. Like so many tropes and things that were established in that carried the genre forward and were introducing the genre. Um, it, it's really cool to see, you know, Nintendo being the birthing place of these things. Um, and uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the, the kind of character cameos that show up and, and things like that. Some familiar faces. Um, for me, the bosses weren't that familiar. Um and I know that everybody raves about the the new characters like Mallow and and Gino, especially. Everybody wanted Gino for Smash. Yeah. Um, you know, we got him got him in me form at least. <laughs> but um exactly. you know, we got to see right. some familiar characters like Birdo and uh Yoshi, fat Yoshi <laughs> was, was a fun one. <laughs> um yeah, is there I guess was there any characters that you were really excited to see in this game? I know Bowser was your big one. Like and be able to see the the personality there um, was I, I knew like gr- missing pretty um, obviously was Luigi and apparently he was planned for the game but was ultimately scrapped 
Um, so what kind of characters did you, um, were you kind of excited to see show up in this Mario game? Um, um, really, it wasn't like I was expecting anything new uh, or, or, uh, I guess it's what, it is what new that we did get. Like it was this mystery of like, at to this point, the Mario formula had pretty much been the same kind of characters. You got, you got the Koopa Troopas, you got the Koopalings, you got Koopas, you got Goombas. Um, and I mean, just right from the beginning, yes, there's some Goombas, but we start seeing characters that we had never even seen in a Mario game that I didn't know could exist in a Mario game. It, right away from the main boss, the this giant sword crashing. The, like, I don't even know if the game explains where he comes from, but like, I was so mesmerized. It, it's in a weird way how like. Bowser, you know, we always said Bowser is he's he's known as the bad guy. He's the main big baddie for mm-hmm. all of Mario, right? And then for then someone else comes in and steps on Bowser's turf and kicks Bowser out of his own castle. Um in a way rubbed me the wrong way. Even though Bowser's yeah. the bad guy, it's like, "Hey, wait. It's kind of like you can pick on your sibling, your sister, you can make fun of her or whatever, but that person cannot, you know, mm-hmm. and then it bothers you if they do it. And in a way, I kind of felt that with like some new villain coming in and kicking Bowser to the curve and um, and him and his all his whole new set of Goonies coming in to to take over. So it wasn't that I was expecting any characters per se. Um, I was just curious about, OK, who is this new world of bad guys that are here and how do we take them out? Mm-hmm. And and the game is full of that. I mean, he has his own like iron army, um, milita- military people, and mm-hmm. uh, he you, you fight them all. You fight them all, and um, they're all challenging. They certainly are. So I wouldn't, yeah. And then it was cool that not only did these new villains come up and show up, but um, we got new allies ourselves. Like. Yeah like Mallow and Gino coming in to help beat these guys. I like, you know, when I like these new characters that they have, like, I know everybody was really obsessed with Gino and Mallow was pretty cool as, as for what he's assisted with, with elemental and things like that. Um, and then they were kind of the, really the people that the new characters were kind of the magic bringing magic into the Mario universe in a lot of ways. Um, but also like, there, I think character more, um, I guess, wrapped up in legal tape or like proprietary. Like, where does it stand? Like, who owns Boshi? You know, it's it's Yoshi, but it's a blue Yoshi, and it's as a special character, like as a personality and everything. And like, you know, it's both Nintendo, like, but it's also a variant that's exclusively Square, and we've never seen that character again like you know there's things like that it's just like what there's nothing like that and are we ever going to see that character again they're ready to come out like everybody's talking about bringing gino to nintendo stuff and smash but it's like what about these other ones that are like kind of both and what what happens to those and the fact that nintendo is able to publish this game this remaster coming up um you know with the blessing of square enix is great um you know it's 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 hard to say who has the rights to what characters and like I would be very sad if they excluded Culex, the special secret boss in in Super Mario RPG, just because it wasn't something that Nintendo owned 
Like, I would have hated to have this game that didn't have Geno and Mallow and just had generic characters that Nintendo made up to as placeholders. That would have been really sad. Um, so I'm glad that things are falling into place to where everything seems to be good there. Um, I'd, I'd like to to see Nintendo, you know, get blessed to use these characters again elsewhere outside the RPG. Perhaps, you know, they're gauging to see how well the sequel is going to go. Maybe this is something that encourages Square Enix to get back with Nintendo again and make a dedicated RPG, Mario RPG or something like no, realize, oh, hey, this could be a really big thing. I know they're currently putting all their resources into like, you know, the latest Final Fantasies, like, you know, probably working on 17 and Final Fantasy 7 to, or, you know, 7 remake, you know, all the different ones, like point three, point four, whatever, however they do the naming conventions on those, you know. But it would be cool to see that these sales numbers from Super Mario RPG Remastered um, kind of be like, oh, hey, Sony over here, like, I see you. Let's do something, you know. <laughs> I'm hoping that that kind of brings them back and tempts them back if they see this thing do really well and see that there is a market on ten- Nintendo still to maybe even right. get a sequel or something that is not just a kitty game or a weird game like Crystal Chronicles. Like, we get something dedicated on Nintendo that is cream of the crop, cutting edge, and on the newest whatever Switch successor is. You know, it would be really that. cool to see that. Like, you know, this is this is a big time and looks very promising. And is this a case? Like, we don't know when the new system is going to be announced or when it comes out. But this might be a case where it's like Super Mario RPG was on the Super Nintendo before 64 came around. But I'm hoping Nintendo is able to do the right things to be able to get Square Enix to stick with them and get, give a dedicated game to them that's not just kind of a spinoff, you know, and is actually worth their development resources. It'd be kind of cool if that this becomes that catalyst to, you know, attract them over into Nintendo's uh, playing field again. Right. Well, and, you know, it doesn't even have to necessarily be Mario. I'd love to see what Square can do with um, something like Zelda. What if we got like an RPG Zelda? I mean, w- mm-hmm. the fact that we've never had even an attempt at an RPG Legend of Zelda game is kind mm-hmm. of mind blowing to me because the whole setup is kind of like your stere- stereotypical Final Fantasy, you know, wizard, someone with a sword type of thing. Um, I think it would be action RPG for sure. Um, you know, or, it wouldn't be like the turn based necessarily. Or a Donkey Kong. I mean, I would do anything. Just yeah. uh, any one of them I think would be fun. Star Fox. Get get one of those series that they are struggling with to really figure out how to get that name brand like Star Fox. I would going. like to see Star Fox, but in a more like Dinosaur Planet style. Like yeah. less. I mean, yeah, you can do the flying and stuff. That'll be different mechanics. But, sure. but have like, I don't want to be turn-based like space combat, but have like on the ground turn-based combat or on the ground action RPG combat. Yes. It's like that would be pretty cool. Like, look at like like say near Automata, or Automata, or however you pronounce that. Like something like that, but for Star Fox, you know, with the Square Enix back, it would be pretty cool. Or you know, and I don't want to see like a Metroid Square Enix crossover. I no. I, I just yeah, they could do it. I just I don't think that that's something that I'd really want. Even being a big Metroid fan that I am. Nor do I want to see Pikmin and Square Enix. Like, I just, I don't see those series doing that. It I mean, certainly has be. to be the right kind of franchise. Don't give us Kirby, please. Although, no. I will say, Kirby's final bosses and weird storylines would fit well with Square Enix. I will, yeah. I will give them that. <laughs> I could give you that for sure, too. Um, a couple of uh, la- last few things. I know we've mentioned Samus, but, like, this game did have a few little, it had a lot of Easter eggs in it. Uh, I guess I forgot Link. 
Link is you can find Link sleeping in Rose Town in um, after um, dreaming after, about like, that windfish. Yeah, you, you're right. And if you talk to him, um, Link doesn't say anything. I think like the just <laughs> your standard ever. like clip that would play from like completing a puzzle. And and um, let me see what it said it up here. Um, yeah, after you solve a pl- puzzle in Zelda, that would play if you talk to him. Samus does actually talk to you. Um, Samus will appear in the end of the game. If you try to talk to her, she says, the baby, the baby. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, she says how she how she's resting up for her for her upcoming battle against Mother Brain. So um, I guess uh, Super had already happened at this point. So um Little did she know she wasn't going to be on the 64, so she was mm-hmm. going to be sleeping for quite a while. Um, and then Luigi, he appears at the in the parade at the end of the game, and there's like a wish that can be found by him on Star Hill where like people can make wishes. And one says, I w- it says, I want to be a great pr- plumber like my brother, suggesting that it was Luigi. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of little fun Easter eggs in here. Um, uh, they, you know, it's not just mario you know and i think that i like that i like that there's character i like that they got a little bit of sprinkled in a bunch of nintendo stuff in there of different franchises i even think that i saw that there's um it's like an arwing uh, uh yeah there's and there's a barrel volcano as models of captain falcon's uh captain falcon's like a spacecraft there's an arwing <laughs> series like all these little things just kind of just sprinkled in throughout the game yeah um just hidden. Yeah, the Donkey Kong lookalikes. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. They they put a lot of Nintendo in there with Final Fantasy mixtures into it. It definitely was a magical game to be created for that time. Um, honestly, something that you, if 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 they could make something like this new today, um, it would be. I mean, I guess not counting the remake, like something fresh, that would be cool. And and you know, Square did the whole kingdom hearts thing right mm-hmm. but who's to say square couldn't make a game that's just like kingdom hearts but you're going through all of the nintendo worlds you know what i'm saying it's yeah. not it's not goofy and mickey and and toy story or whatever but they're going through the different realms of different nintendo characters and there's some like overall story that's connecting all of these different franchises together that would be awesome to be honest and yeah and, i mean what what would it look like if Square Enix helped out with an action RPG that was, you know, Smash Brothers? Oh, like, yeah. how crazy would that be? What if that's the new Smash Brothers, like, universe direction is it's an action RPG. Each, you know, Nintendo character has different, like, attacks and different things like that. And it would be, like, it, it wouldn't, I don't know. I don't want it to be just another, like, Hyrule Warriors or something, but, like, Nintendo Warriors. I don't want to see that. I want to see what... Square Enix does with Nintendo's yeah, characters yeah. in a Smash Brothers universe. Like, what would that look like? And that would be so awesome. Like, action RPG, like, I want everything old, or I want Square Enix to do turn based RPGs. But if they were to handle Nintendo IPs or like Smash Brothers or something, like a fighting game or anything like that, like, I would want to see the action RPG. Like, it, yeah, I love my turn based, but like, being able to experience different, like, just third party hack and slash or what have you um, with the Square Enix story and graphics. Like my goodness, I think my face and would melt like playing that game. 
Right. And uh, th- that would be beyond wild, my wildest dreams, I think. You know, I, 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 and I don't see that working for turn-based RPG. I wouldn't want a Smash Brothers turn-based RPG. Too slow, you know. But I think it would work well for the Smash Brothers series, which is every Nintendo character. Oh. I just, I wish that we would see some motion towards a big partnership other than ports with with um, your Square Enix. But I'm glad I mean, that we are getting representation across these consoles. I think with the success of the Switch, if things continue to trend that way as, as we get onto, you know, Codename Super Switch, I think we will see more and more of this stuff. I really do. But... Um, well, that's all I've got. I can think of out of this halfly uh, sick brain still recovering from my sickness yesterday on Mario RPG. Do you have any final thoughts? And if not, Ryan, where can people find us? Um, yeah, just looking forward to the future of Mario RPG. And hopefully the partnership with Nintendo and Square Enix continues to flourish. Um, yes. I know that they're very different markets now, uh, like what they what their big AAA titles are versus what they put on Nintendo. Um, but I'd like to see them do something pretty pretty epic in the future. Um, hopefully that becomes a thing. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm just really happy that we're able to talk about this game now and are about to see what a remastered version would be that everybody dreamed of having, and we're finally getting that. Um, it's really really cool that we're getting a lot of things that we never dreamed would be remade in our time or ever you know perhaps even lost the time in some ways um it's really cool that we have that and um yeah it's it's a good time especially for nostalgia um either making it with with your kids um or re-experiencing it or having it for the first time just as an adult Um, it's really cool amen um as far as finding the show uh you can find us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify amazon podcasts uh pandora podcasts um, also have some limited avail- limited videos up on YouTube. Um, I think some of our original episodes might be on there um, if you can't find them in the RSS feed. Um, so uh, you can find us on Facebook at Nintendo NOS, on TikTok at Nintendo underscore NOS, on X Twitter at Nintendo underscore NOS, Instagram, Nintendo NOSIN. You can shoot us an email at, uh, at Gmail, uh, Nintendo Nostalgia IN at gmail.com. You can uh, also give us a call on the Nostalgia Hotline, uh, share your th- love. Uh, memories and thoughts um, we'd love to hear from you the number is 317-969-5690 guys that brings us to the end of the episode thank you so much for listening on our uh, third episode in a row uh, since we've come back uh, we hope you have a great rest of your week and we will catch you next week later Preston see ya